Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about why you might have seen picket lines in front of Mike Bennett's Wonderwood Cafe, the Portland Public School District's new anti-drug bags they're handing out to students, and Mayor Ted Wheeler's proposal to take over management of every city bureau. Joining me for this Friday's News Roundup are CityCast's director of newsletters, Brian Vance, and our very own audio producer, Julia Fioglioni. It's Friday, September 22nd. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Brian, Julia, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, Claudia. It's good to be back. Brian, it's always nice to have you. Um, you're like the the fifth Beatle. You know, I will wear that title <laughs> with honor. I love that. That's awesome. That's so true. Well, before we get into the week's news... Um, I like to ask a question just so you have an idea of who I'm talking to, what you're getting yourself into. Uh, and uh, I wanted to base our first question from a, a voicemail we got from a listener. Dylan wrote in, he had a comment about a show we did this week uh, called What We Know About Abandoned Buildings. Uh, we had the Willamette Week uh, reporter Anthony Effinger on to discuss some of these vacant and empty office buildings uh, in the downtown area and just other areas. So Dylan wrote, uh, something that I heard from your guest just really bothered me. This idea of how great it would be to require people who are working from home to go back into the city because it will help downtown Portland. It's just like this idea that, oh, because these people are employees and have no choice, we can force them to do something every day. All of these things basically force them to help keep a system in place that clearly doesn't work for us anymore instead of thinking mm-hmm. of something new. That just kind of bothers me. And I don't don't like that take. Anyway, thank you. <laughs> I love that part, by the way. That's a great comment. Yeah. I listen every time you put on a new episode and, you know, have a nice one. And I just love when people write in something just like, I'm upset about something that was said. And then they're just mm-hmm. like, have a good day. And I'm just like, yeah. thank you, Dylan. <laughs> I will have a nice one. Thanks, Dylan. But it got me thinking, you know, like, I totally agree with Dylan's take. Mm-hmm. But it it made me wonder, like, you know, if we had to work downtown, I was curious, like, what building you would choose, like, <laughs> to go to every oh, day. Great question. Or like, what, you know, like, where you would want to work from. And it could, it could literally be any building. And it doesn't have to be an office building. It could just be like, this is where I'm working from downtown. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if you guys remember when we interviewed a, um, a bridge operator. And he <laughs> he mans the, the Hawthorne Bridge, and he was telling us how it goes all the way up. You know, it's one of those bridges that that lift. Um, they, it doesn't, mm. like, open in the midway. It just sort of, like, his old little office setup just lifts all the way up. Like Transformer style. Yeah. And he was saying that it, it affords him the most magnificent view, and he could see, like, everything. He could see the whole river. He could see mountains. He could see whatever. And I'm like, I want to mm. work right next to him. Like, that's where I want my office to be. That it's downtown-ish, be... you know? What's the Wi-Fi reception like there? Like, <laughs> you <Do> know? They... <laughs> well, from the taping, I don't think it was good. <laughs> yeah, it didn't sound good. <laughs> I think it sucked for the podcast, but it would be mm-hmm. awesome for me. <laughs> I, I'm going to be boring. I've just, I've never been inside any of the big downtown buildings. So I think it would be cool to go inside Big Pink and see, is it really, mm. like, is there anything to it? Or is it just a soulless office building in a weird shade downtown it's not even the tallest one so it's like you know whatever i think it's like second or third tallest but but yeah it'd just be cool to be in there finally to feel like i arrived in some weird insider cult in portland like that i get to commute to an office building so Mm. wait you've never been to the portland city girl 
on the 31st no. or 33rd no. floor of Big Pink? No. Oh I've my never God. been inside that building. Ever. Neither have I. It's a beautiful view. Brian, you should do it. It's gorgeous. I should do it. But yeah, I want to go to Big Pink and, you know, be sad that I'm working in an office <laughs> all day. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds nice, Brian. What about you, Julia? <laughs> um, my first thought was actually Providence Park. So just recently, mm. I was invited to a company picnic there from a dear friend of mine. And I actually got to go out in the middle of the field and kick a ball around. Oh, wow. And my like childlike nice. heart was so excited by that opportunity. And I just picture this ideal world where our office is set up in one of the club booths, um, kind of oh, up top. That would be so and uh, cool. I'd imagine the sound would be okay, at least if there wasn't a game going on. <laughs> and on my breaks, I could go and just kick a ball around in the field. It'd be perfect. That would be pretty cool. Oh, Julie, you won. That's right? awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that would be, I would love that. Well, Brian, why don't you kick us off? What is the uh, headline that caught your eye this week? Um, okay, so Mike Bennett, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with this guy, his artwork of these like fantastical creatures urging Portlanders to drive slower, you know, popped up all across the city during the pandemic. Mm. He's created a, a bunch of different like venues around the city in the past few years. And one of them that he did that opened last fall in St. John's is a like immersive art experience combined with a coffee shop mm-hmm. and it's called wonderwood springs well last week news came out that the coffee shop part is not doing too well um it's struggling financially and the holding company that uh mike partnered with to run the coffee shop is actually transferring ownership to him and a business partner so he's going to take over actual ownership and running of the the coffee shop what caught my attention was the backlash from the employees that emerged from this um Employees started picketing the coffee shop. There are now um, review bombs happening. So people who haven't even like been there reviewing it one star because they saw something on social media. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. So so long story short, you know, Mike Bennett's taking over. It's basically like someone bought a business, a struggling business with plans to kind of, you know, right the ship, change a few things. Uh, They offered employees severance they offered employees health insurance through the end of the month and the the previous owner which is a holding company that owns a bunch of things a bunch of different restaurants and bars and stuff in portland offered to help find everyone um employment at other places but that wasn't good enough for anyone and uh it's just turned into this like really kind of cringy experience of like if you don't get exactly what you want then the other person is evil the other the other person is bad And, you know, there were some mistakes made. Mike has even come out and made a statement admitting that, like, he told all the employees that, like, you'd have to reapply for for your jobs. Probably not the best choice of words, but, like, it is a different business now. Mm -hmm. From what I heard, he didn't buy the cafe. I think it was given to him. It was. It's a, like, transfer of ownership with no monetary exchange. Which is kind of cool. You know, like, I was like, oh, that's cool. I wish someone would give me a business. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know, I I heard about this because it's literally uh right on the corner. Like if I go outside, yeah, it's right near you. Like it's right there. Um, and I don't know. Have you guys been to that cafe? I haven't. I have. Do you want me to give you the the rundown? <laughs> yeah, I'm curious what it's actually like in there. <laughs> okay, so I went. I went in the, the first first day was open just because again right in the corner. I was like, yeah, and I go in and it just felt like where somebody would go play like a really long D game 
Mm-hmm. That's the vibe. You know what I'm right. saying? And yeah. and so I was like, well, this isn't my vibe. I have my own coffee shop. But I was like, I'm glad it's here. Moved on. But as the weeks rolled on, I've noticed people started to go in with little elf ears. And do you know what I mean? And I, and I would yeah, look into the vibe. Yeah. And I looked into mm-hmm. the windows and like th- there was always some sort of tabletop game happening right in the front. <laughs> you know, and so I was like, oh, OK, this is this is who comes here it's like a nice right. safe space for for sweet nerds who want to play magic cards or whatever right. cool mm-hmm. um so when i saw the baristas all you know all pick it i thought that it was people that were were going every day to play D that they were mad that it closed like i didn't quite understand <laughs> <laughs> it's really like, funny. I don't know why everyone's mad that they can't play D&D anymore for like however long it takes to to like switch over and and I was like man these like these people are really I was like well I guess if the campaign was like in the middle of something you know and and I just they just shut you down yeah, yeah that would be disruptive that's what I thought was happening and then somebody was just like no you know mm-hmm. um sorry that's a long <laughs> story to say i don't even know what's happening in the corner on the corner of my <laughs> question is like was the coffee any good were the pastries any you know, good okay yeah. i feel like i'm gonna kick a, a shop that's already being kicked you know mm. but no i didn't like it i didn't like the right. coffee and unfortunately the the pastry that i had was something that they were getting pastries from um sparrow but it tasted like a day old or two days old and I was like, yeah. and you know, Sparrow is like four. I'm like, I can walk five minutes to Sparrow and get a fresh. Yeah, it's uh, right there. Yeah, and get a fresh croissant and not buy like a more expensive old one. Yeah. And again, it was like the first couple days. Totally. Restaurants take a little while to, to hit mm-hmm. their groove. But, you know, there's a reason it was struggling. It it wasn't doing well. The fact that the company gave it to Mike shows that like they're really invested in finding a way to keep this business going even if the way they were running it wasn't sustainable and wasn't going to work. And just like the the whole, like, this is going to get me in trouble, but the sort of the crybaby reaction to to what's happening is is ridiculous, frankly. Like, it's there are enough real issues in the labor market in Portland mm-hmm. that you being notified with ample time that your struggling business is, is closing down, changing ownership, and with plans to reopen, that your pay is going to, is going to happen through a set period of time. Your health insurance is going to happen through a set period of time. There are efforts being made to help find you other long-term employment is just kind of ludicrous. Um, and it just provides a ton of ammo for people who criticize Portland. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's silly. It is like a lot of like uh, sweet, younger looking people with elf ears and colored hair, um, basically wishing capitalism didn't exist. So it does. I can totally see like, <laughs> People outside of Portland be like, get it together, you know. Yeah. But I wanted to ask Julia. Julia's 24. She's um, worked <laughs> in uh, in retail, you know. She's been a yeah. barista. Because mm-hmm. to me, it seems like they're just upset with the idea that things are changing. And mm-hmm. like that the space that they helped create is is going to be different. I will say, just in, in reading these articles that have laid out the back and forth, there mm-hmm. it's very clear that at some point something was lost in translation. Mm -hmm. And the first mistake was just not being on the same page with communication. And being someone who worked as a barista for a while, um, there is like a a mini family dynamic that comes from working in that type of environment um, with your coworkers. It's early hours. 
you're dealing with difficult customers. So you start to have each other's backs. And I can imagine a situation where if someone misspoke immediately, everybody's going to dogpile because you have this like defensive strategy a lot of times because you need to. Uh, but that doesn't leave a lot of room to um, renegotiate or even just clarify what what might have been just a mistake, which right. is unfortunate. But I do I do resonate and understand the energy behind it because majority of the time people do not have your best intentions in mind when you are working um, that kind of job. So I do sympathize with them. But I would say um, I would hope that people can be a little bit more understanding of um, trying to figure things out in the moment, right? Like it's very clear that everyone is um, trying to find a way through. So there has to be a better process and just like clarifying those details and at least being open to hearing each other out, even if it's um, multiple iterations of the same conversation, because right. these things get messy very quickly. But I do get it though. I've been there and, and it's really hard. Yeah. You know, there is a uh, barista relief fund for that. Uh, uh, there's a GoFundMe uh, for the Wonderwood Springs baristas. And uh, they've actually raised $3,804 uh, from their $14,000 goal. So mm -hmm. that's, I, it seems they have support, you know, I mean, obviously They're definitely it's not, getting traction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, good luck to Mike Bennett. I really do enjoy having him in the neighborhood. I hope that uh, he's able to figure that out. And and good luck to those baristas. Because I, I think a big thing that they said is like, oh, it's going to be so hard to recreate. I think what Julia just said. Yeah, that vibe, that family. But just as someone who is also, uh, as they've claimed, neurospicy, I understand change is really hard, you guys. I totally get it. Totally. Change yeah. is hard. But uh, hopefully they'll find a new situation where they feel that you know, camaraderie again. I can't imagine they're not going to be able to find another job. Um, everyone's hiring. There's so many openings right now. And like, it is still Portland. Like you're still going to find a place that there's, there's going to be an opportunity out there for you to find a place where you can, you can have that. Well, Julia, what is your headline of the week? All right. So my article this week is from Natalie Pate from OPB. And she talks about that in partnership with Multnomah County, Portland Public Schools recently distributed more than 14,000 drug deactivating bags called Deterra bags to high mm. school students across the city. So uh, these Deterra bags, they're biodegradable and there are these like small pouches, almost like the size of a small book um, that have non-toxic crystals inside where you can dispose of things like expired medications and just illicit drugs generally. And that's anything from like Advil to weed to fentanyl. It's all deactivated once you throw it in. And it's easy to use. You open the bag, you put the drugs in, anything up to 45 pills, put some water in, seal it shut, and then you're free to toss it in the garbage. Um, and this right now, it, it's, it's important because fentanyl-related teen overdose deaths across the U.S. have nearly tripled from mm -hmm. 2019 to 2021, with deaths among organ teens specifically increasing faster than anywhere across the country. So it, it's obviously a huge issue. But the hope is, at the very least, regardless of whether or not these bags are used, students are bringing them home to their families and opening up conversation with their their guardians about drug abuse generally. But before I dive too much into it, I, I want to hear your initial thoughts on it, Brian, Claudia. What's the first thing that comes to mind? I was recently reading something, and I cannot remember where, but about like dogs overdosing on fentanyl because oh, no. the way that people are getting rid of wow. drugs and you know when you don't have a way to get rid of something you you throw it on the ground or whatever mm -hmm. like um 
so I think this like if these work as well as they are or as, as they as they claim to like I would love to see them everywhere and mm -hmm. and honestly not just for fentanyl like look how hard it is to get rid of like old Tylenol old like you have to find a pharmacy that's willing to take it um throwing it in the trash isn't the best thing to do mm -hmm. flushing it down the toilet isn't a great thing to do like mm -hmm. so like I would love to see these these everywhere but it is kind of funny to me that we still can't do things like fentanyl test strips but we can do mm. fentanyl destruction pouches yeah well you know brian i i agree but i feel like you're speaking about it through an adult lens Th these are children who are getting these <laughs> bags true. these are these are yeah. kids. these are kids and the first thing i thought i was like man if i got that bag and knowing how i was as a child i'm like my mom would have been so pissed when she got home because like every <laughs> pill would have been in that bag just so i could be like we should <laughs> test it out I'm like it's here and now it's gone <laughs> and she you know what i mean and tylenol's yeah. expensive like she would have just been like girl yeah. i'm so mad at you right now like one of those costco size like four Hundred pill bottles, yeah. <laughs> just dump it all. <laughs> yeah, it overflow though because you said forty five. Forty five. So. Yeah, you have to take it yeah. slow. You know, like maybe trying to rip them open too, and like, like I, I'm curious, like what the heck are these crystals? Are they like, do they look like something from a crystal shop? Do they look mm -hmm. like salt? Like, what the heck are they? And like, what else can I put in there? And what happens if I pour coke in there? Does it blow up? Oh, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Oh my god, that's so cool. Coca Cola, not cocaine. Coca Cola. Put some Mentos in there. Put <laughs> yeah, some coke. Let's see. Oh, let's see what happens. Blast off, baby. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Blast off, baby. <laughs> Sorry, that's the newsletter quote. That is right there. <laughs> no context. Julia says, "Blast off, baby." About the Deterra bags. <laughs> Whatever meticulous point you're going to say, that's all I'm going to remember. <laughs> I can live with that. Okay. Well, what do you think, Julia? I mean, I, again, I'm like, out of all of us, out of all of us. Speaking for the kids. Yeah. yeah. So I'm 24 years old and I was still in high school less than a decade ago. So right. it's fresh enough in my head uh, to picture myself uh, in these kids' shoes. And I can't help but remember when I was back in school, these say no to drugs initiatives on campus that were always cheesy and not ever helpful. So they would like, they would all like call us into the auditorium for an assembly and there would be someone giving this like over enthusiastic and out of touch speech about how you shouldn't be using drugs. Um, and it would be so similar to the types of conversations that we'd be having in sex ed class about abstinence. Right. And it was never anything that had like a tangible impact. We'd leave with like these bracelets that were engraved with like something that along the lines of like weed is a gateway drug. And then you'd go home and be like, well, I'm not sure what I learned, but here I am with this bracelet. <laughs> and this is all to say, I'm grateful that people are starting to take a different approach. It seems like mm -hmm. there is an intention to be more thoughtful about it. But I do question how useful these deterra bags really are uh, when being handed to a high school student. Like like you guys said, I imagine it being turned into a meme or some kid doing something ridiculous with a deterra bag to go viral on TikTok before it's actually being used for, for what it's intended to. And I fear that that the, the kid that needs it the most, that is out seeking these illicit drugs and, and spending right. their money on it, the last thing on earth they're going to do is actually put the drugs in the bag, Destroy right? it, waste, waste all that <laughs> time and money and effort, yeah. I would imagine that in this case, it would be so much more useful to be handing out fentanyl test strips to these right. kids because they're going to be using the drugs regardless. They might as well know if there's fentanyl in it um, so that they are not accidentally overdosing. So I looked into this. Right. And um, here's the thing. According to an article by 
Kristen McCurdy from Oregon Business, passing out fentanyl strips was illegal because it was considered drug paraphernalia. But then back in June, Oregon lawmakers passed House Bill 2395. That changed the language, so that's no longer the case anymore. Okay. So that's... There yeah. is an opportunity to at least consider this. I can't imagine rushing into it, but no, no, no. I still think you need a, a thoughtful approach plan. You know, well, well mm-hmm. here's the deal: they didn't pay for these deterra bags. I think we all know that these were given to uh, PPS by the county. Mm-hmm. The county was like, "Hey, we have a bunch of these. Uh, do you guys want them?" And they're just like, "Yeah, you know what we'll do? We'll put a QR code on it, and it'll uh, lead uh, to tips for parents on how to have these like." anti-drug talks and this is basically what they were thinking is like this is a conversation starter because they're going to go home Mm -hmm. the parents are going to be like what the heck is this and then now you have to talk to your child who's just like you know being like what's drugs you know or whatever and then now you have to have this talk I feel like if that was the entire point of that they succeeded everyone's going to be talking about it but like we're I don't, talking about yeah it. we're talking about it <laughs> but if it's like hey to deter like actual children from doing drugs obviously no yeah. but i don't yeah. know if that was the point i think it's just like one of many things that they're trying to uh do to get kids uh and parents on the same page yeah and i think my point is is that this is great but it's not time to go patting ourselves on the back saying no. this is enough it's it's very far from that. And this is like a step. You know, this is like, a step. This is a baby yeah. step. And I hope in an ideal world that this opens up a door to head in the direction of actually giving out resources that will be directly helpful for those kids yeah. that are um, most at risk. Now, I just really want one of these Tatura bags, Brian, because I really do want... <laughs> I want to put a Mentos and some Coca-Cola. <laughs> and I just want to know what happens. If someone can give us some bags, uh, we will. I will conduct the science experiment in my yard. We have a lot of drugs that we want to get rid of (laughs) yeah i've got so many (laughs) well let's take a quick break here uh and when we come back more headlines of the week all right guys well my headline this week has to do with the city i feel like we haven't could you imagine there being one friday where we don't talk about the city no. <laughs> like, I think that we, like, entered some sort of, like, weird alternative reality in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, it'd be, it'd be strange. Well, you know, a few things happened uh, this week and late last week. One, Mayor Ted Wheeler was like, hey, I'm not running uh, for mayor again, which news, mm-hmm. you know. But then I think just, like, on Wednesday, Police Chief Chuck uh, Lavelle is said he was stepping down from his position. He's not retiring. He's not quitting. He just doesn't want to be police chief anymore, um, which, I mean, who could blame him? So they're they're getting a retired police officer, uh, Bob Day, to serve as the Bureau's interim head uh, until a new chief is selected in 2025. And I found that also just like, wow, nobody wants to be running the city. 2025? <laughs> no. Wow. To have an interim police chief. Okay, but so the story I wanted to, to get into is something that uh, Shane Dixon Kavanaugh reported for the Oregonian. It, it has a little bit to do with this because where we are right now, you guys, within the city is we're in a, tra- in a period of transition. So we voted for a new city charter 
a lot of change is going to happen. And I feel like we're seeing people who are in power right now just being like, I, how do, you know, how am I going to help to transition? Am I going to get out of the way? Or just like, you know what? I don't want to be like leading this horse when we get here. And so I feel like there's, mm-hmm. there might be a lot of strategic stepping down. Because <laughs> <That's, laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what would be for me. I'd be like, eh, The first maybe. of many. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, but here, here's uh, something that Mayor Ted Wheeler actually proposed uh, to help with this transition. And again, I think this was a closed meeting, and I believe that these reporters found this out through other means. Um, but mm. in in a meeting, it was said that um, Mayor Ted Wheeler proposed that perhaps he should take over all the bureaus to ensure a smooth transition into the new charter. And again, if you guys have no clue what I'm talking about, just know that this new charter is changing everything from how we vote for our city leaders to like how the city bureaus are managed, um, even to how many uh, on the city council we have, you know. So supposedly the mayor's chief of staff, Bobby Lee, raised this uh, prospect of this major (laughs) mayoral power play. And the thought was that... um, All of the bureaus not currently under his control would transfer over to his control as soon as the 1st of November. It's all it's all mayor. It's all mayor run. And the reasoning was that uh, Mayor Wheeler wanted to consolidate power over the next year's budget as a test run of the new Mm. governing system set to begin in January 2025. So that's a long (laughs) test run. It's also just like, I don't know. It feels odd. You know, like mm-hmm. you're going to need that much time to figure all of that out. Um, but the the move would also jumpstart the interim city administrator, which w- is part of the new city charter. We're now going to have a right. city administrator that's going to oversee the day-to-day uh, operations. So Wheeler's like, not only am I going to do this, but I'm going to bring this guy in who um, he made it known he wanted Portland Chief Administrative Officer Michael Jordan <laughs> <laughs> wow. No Don't we have a Mike Myers too? Like, we have a Mike Myers great, and a Michael Jordan. Names. I know. So silly. <laughs> and police chief Barack Obama, no relation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the Portland chief administrative officer, Michael Jordan, um, already directly reports to the mayor. So basically the mayor is like, I let me take over all the bureaus. I'm going to put my guy in charge of the day to day. So of course mm-hmm. the city council is the mayor and let's say one, two, three, four commissioners, right? And those right. four commissioners oversee the the bureaus. So the rest of the commissioners are just like, I'm sorry, the fuck? Like, right, like you want to do what now? Mm-hmm. What are we supposed to be doing? Like, what does this mean for us, uh, Ted? <laughs> like, Because basically <laughs> like, it just means that they would get benched. Like, what are they supposed to be doing? Um, yeah. So, you know, He's like, yeah, I can imagine this being a little bit thorny. Like that is a direct quote um, because everybody has to let go of something and everybody is going to take on new responsibilities. But it's like, yeah, but like nobody knows what those responsibilities would be then. Like, right. That's the, that's like, the difference between like what Wheeler's proposing now and what will happen when the exactly. charter reform is like those responsibilities for the city council in the new government are outlined like they're a legislative body. They propose legislation. They vote yeah. on legislation mm. right now. They are a weird like administrative slash legislative body. Um, and you'd be taking away half that job and not 
because like is Wheeler also giving up his ability to propose legislation and veto legislation and yeah I don't well here's the deal as as a charter is now Wheeler can't create an interim city administrator position without a city council majority mm. so <laughs> good luck buddy <laughs> so so he could theoretically take the bureaus away and give him and give it to this administrator but then at the same time it's like but you can't create this position. Without right, the city so how council, do you do that? so how do you do that? But so mm. I'm just curious, like, what do you guys think of this? Yeah, I feel like Wheeler has a tendency to just try to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, and, yeah. and tends to overcorrect. And this feels like an example of that. It's almost like, like he just wakes up one morning and he's like, "Yeah, I got to do this right now." And There's a light like, bulb. Well, <laughs> slow down. But another thing is though. I feel like there's a nice middle ground between what the commissioners are saying and what Wheeler's saying totally. where we we really sh- should start like ramping up to this, maybe not on November 1st, but I guess it's helpful to at least be talking about it. Yeah, a stepped approach is, is probably something that makes sense is like you slowly start taking over some of the smaller bureaus and consolidating them. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, like Ted Wheeler is like very much that person who like dreams out loud. Who's like, I'm <laughs> going to be it. the president of the world and just tells everyone that. But is like, yeah, but did you think about how that's actually going to work or how that <laughs> sounds like that's that's Ted. Like, mm. and I do have to say, I kind of like this new, like, I don't give a fuck version of Ted. The one who's like, I'm not running. I'm not accountable to anyone right now. I'm just going to do what I want. Like, it's kind of cool to see that. But he's also he's out of his mind if he thinks he's going to get. Mingus Maps, who wants to be mayor to agree to this, who's mm-hmm. looking to score points, you know, before he runs. Carmen Rubio, who's probably also trying to become the next mayor. Dan Ryan, who very much might try to become the next mayor. Renee Gonzalez, who very much might try <laughs> yeah. to become the like it's the wrong crowd, buddy. Like it's the wrong like read the room. They're not gonna agree to that. But but yeah, there is there's probably some middle ground here that we just haven't seen yet that they could do. And all the the commissioners were like, hey, if you want to start this in the latter half of 2024. Let's go. Not in six weeks. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's you know? not enough time. <laughs> and the whole reason there's a timeline for the charter transition is because there's so many things that have to happen. Yeah. A bunch of new positions, uh, changes to how bureaus operate, to how uh, literally changes to City Hall, like the actual building, you know, itself, like the rooms and whatnot in it. And so it's like six weeks is just not realistic. But I, but I do hope that they, do something like this because they're going to have to do it anyway. And it's better to not just like expect that we flip a switch and everything works. It's better Mm. to like work our way towards that. Like the writing is on the wall. So I'm glad that like he's seeing that and he's pushing people towards it, but there is no way in hell this is going to happen by November 1st. Yeah. You know what I thought immediately when I read this, I was like, Oh dude is trying to take care of his legacy. Yeah. He's trying to, he's trying to clean it up and be like, look, I got I'm shit the done. One. It was I. I, I cut through all the, <laughs> all the stalemates and I like actually push things forward. Uh, you're welcome, Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're still part of the system that nobody wants. He still promised to end homelessness <laughs> in 2018. Like, oh my goodness. 2016, something like that. Like years ago, like. Um, that's what I mean though. He just dreams out loud. Like he says, I'm going to, I'm going to fix the global economy. Like Ted Wheeler, you know, probably said that at some point at a dinner party. Um, so. Oh man. But no, I agree with you, Brian. I'm actually really, uh, excited for this untethered Ted Wheeler. 
I think the drama at City Hall is going to get so spicy. Oh, I like, can't wait, you guys. It's mm. going to be like a real life version of... This is Game of Thrones. I don't know, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like, it's a straight up Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's nuts. It's going to be fun. There is this amazing TikTok uh, creator who does these really um, dramatic kind of like old English reenactments of like a Miami girl trip. Um, <laughs> oh my You gosh. know, they're, it's hilarious. And I just wish that we could do that for like every story, you know, because also right. we have the names like, and then Mingus Maps. <laughs> right. We have, oh we have such great names. We have such great names, you know, and I, I don't know. I'm not promising that I might get together a play <laughs> that brings, but I really would love if there's any writers out there. And if you know the TikTok creator I'm talking about, like how cool would it be if we just did a, a complete reenactment of the whole transition to into the new mm-hmm. charter um, as like yeah. as old timey Game of Thrones, you know, just tacticians, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be, I'd watch that. What would it be called? It'd be called, I don't know. All I could think of is like Parks and Rec. I'm like, Coneshire. Like, no, that is the game, <laughs> a fake game in Parks and Rec. Okay, I got an idea. Chasing the Charter. Chasing the Charter? Mm-hmm. Mm. We got to have a dragon in there. <laughs> dragon. The Charter. <laughs> a dragon would help. A dragon uh, charter. Dragons. I'm terrible at naming things. I'm like that guy who's like, you see that rock over there? It's big rock. Like, that's me. So don't don't ask me for help here. All right. If anyone has any idea on what we're going to name this this uh, radio play, please let us know. All we have right now is Coneshire and Dragons and Charter. <laughs> terrible. Oh, man. Well, guys, thanks so much for hanging out and uh, going through the the news this week i appreciate you guys hanging out with me this morning thanks for for having us and putting up with us yeah thank you real quick before we end the show we are getting closer to the halloween season and have a question for all of our listeners do you have any portland ghost stories you'd want to share with us we're putting together an eerie halloween episode and would love to read out loud some of your scariest portland hauntings or paranormal experiences send them over to portland at citycast.fm or leave us a voicemail at 503-208-5448 That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thanks so much for listening. Our lead producer is John Atariani. Our audio producers this week were Julia Fioni and Noah Snyderman. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, and our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound and All the Kimonos. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see what slims. <laughs> <laughs>